scores! Gilmore scores! Off the glass, the left corner to Aguila. Aguila in the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by Al Aguila. Three bounds, another shot. They score! The Flames win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. All right, we are underway. It is Wednesday, June 7th. Welcome to this hour of Flames Talk and welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe even through employee turnover. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. Steinberg and Aaron Vickers along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you you get your podcast. Okay. Uh, let's uh, dive right in on the coaching side of things for the Calgary Flames. So we told you on Tuesday that things were getting very close to a new coach for the Calgary Flames, and that very much remains the case. We told you on Tuesday three of the names in the final group of four or five, those names that we told you on yesterday's Flames Talk, Ryan Huska, Mitch Love, the two internal candidates, along with Travis Green, formerly of the Vancouver Canucks, with one or two other names in there as well. So that was what we told you on Tuesday. Well, it's always good when Elliot Friedman backs you up the next day. It makes you uh, feel like you were on to something, makes you feel that... uh, Makes you feel, okay, thank thank goodness that Elliot's hearing the right things. Um, makes you feel a little bit less dumb. Uh, and then Elliot added a name on Wednesday's 32 Thoughts podcast as well. Here's Elliot Friedman on the latest 32 Thoughts, which is available wherever you get your podcast right now. Kind of the latest is the where things sit on a Flames coaching search that is uh, coming towards its conclusion. I think Ryan Huska is still there. I think Mitch Love is still there. I think Travis Green is still there. And one other person I've heard there is Todd Reardon. If you'll remember, Jeff, in one of their previous coaching searches, Todd Reardon was a finalist. And when I heard that while I was traveling on uh, the other day, it made sense to me because I think Travis Green got a serious look from them a few years ago too. So what that kind of says to me is that Craig Conroy is going through some of their previous history of coaching interviews and saying, Mm. well, we liked that guy back then. Let's relook at it here. So for the guys who I think are in the mix, I admit I could be wrong, but this is my educated guess, is Huska, Love, Green, and Reardon. And if there's anyone else, I don't know. But I heard Reardon was, was, I, I heard they spoke to Reardon recently, so I just think that that's, that's kind of the potential group they could be picking from, although I freely admit there could be people there I'm not seeing. So there's Elliot on the latest 32 Thoughts podcast, uh, backed up what uh, we told you yesterday, Tuesday on Flames Talk, and then puts Todd Reardon's name into the mix as well. And, and he's, I believe it was Glenn Gullitson was who they hired when Reardon was also in the mix last time. So that would have been what for the... 15-16 season. That would have been prior to him becoming a head coach with the Washington Capitals yes. as well. Yes. Uh, so I believe it was the Gullitson hire that Reardon was in the mix for going back uh, a number of years. So there's a fourth name in that mix. Um, you, you wonder still if a guy like Alex Tange is in that mix. We shall see. Um, it just 
I, I don't mind a couple of external names. I don't mind I, I somebody texts in not loving that Travis Green's name has been in there. I mean, I don't criticize Green for the way things ended in Vancouver as much as I would other guys. We talked a little bit about this on Tuesday, but boy, that Vancouver situation was completely untenable, and maybe Green wasn't fully the solution at the time, but... I don't think he was the main driving force of the problem. I think that there was a an owner and a GM and an assistant GM who were way more culpable in that than the coach was, but I digress. There, there's uh, four names for you. Um, it's felt like an internal hire all the way, and uh, as, as we told you on Tuesday, still leaning towards, it feels like they're leaning towards an internal hire. That remains the belief right now, so... I think we're close. I think we're close to an announcement. Does it happen before the end of the week? Do they wait until Monday? I don't know what the timing is going to look like, but we, you know, Ted yesterday feels like they're very close, kind of in the pocket for finding out officially who the new head coach is. And I think that's the case as we uh, are talking right now as well. We're reverse bacheloring this. We're adding candidates as we get closer and closer to the definitive day. And that's a curious thing, but I do completely understand. Well, if you have it's the, not like we've, uh, th- there were four or five is what we were told. I just wanted to make Monday. a Bachelor reference. I don't actually watch, but I thought it would be hip well, and cool to do it. I thought maybe you'd have something to play off that. You don't. I, uh, I understand taking a look at external candidates, just like when Don Maloney would have looked at external candidates for the general manager position. Sometimes you get so close to things, you can't necessarily see what's directly in front of you. So if you go out, and you ask Coach X about what you, they saw from afar, Coach Y, what they saw from afar, maybe what they see in terms of what you have as personnel as well. It's all information gathering as you get closer to making your decision. But it does feel like this is going to be an internal candidate that does eventually get the nod. And I'd be curious to sort of understand the reasoning why it, it could be one candidate over the other when we're talking about internal candidates, Ryan Huska, Mitch Love. It would be curious to see how the situation plays out, the timeline for how the situation plays out. I'm more leaning towards Monday because that's just typically how things have gone over the course of the last couple All of months. All they've done is Monday. Uh, well, it was a holiday Monday, so they pushed it to Tuesday on Conroy, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And I believe the arena announcement was also a Tuesday. Was but it? They've been early in the week. It might have been a Monday. I don't know. Uh, but they've been early in the week the entire time. Would not be a surprise if they waited to Monday, but... Sleep on it for the weekend. I also know that the news got out last time, and they had they had pretty much made their decision on Conroy prior to the weekend. But and I, I think it was the Friday we were supposed to. There was buzz that there was going to be a okay. news conference on the Friday. They didn't end up doing it. They ended up pushing it, and then it did end up getting out over the weekend. And I think uh, Drager either on the. Sunday or the holiday Monday, Drager uh, had it out there. So they were close going into the weekend. So I'm curious if maybe they try to accelerate this time around and maybe get the announcement out before the weekend. Regardless, I think we're in a matter of days. I don't think we're that far out. Kind of in that 96-hour window once again. I think we're close on a head coaching announcement. Well, and there's kind of that gentleman's agreement between individual teams in the league when you don't announce major news on the day of a Stanley Cup playoff game. So I feel confident in ruling out Thursday, but I could see it before and the, the weekend. And the play on Thursday as well. And you wouldn't want to do that to them. Well, they're all they're friends, happy family. Right? Yeah. So, um, so Friday wouldn't surprise me. Monday wouldn't surprise me. Um, yeah, it, it feels like this is leaning or or moving towards an internal hire. If that is the way it ends up being, I'm really curious 
if Mitch Love ends up being the head coach, does Ryan Huska start looking elsewhere? And vice versa. If Ryan Huska ends up being the head coach, does Mitch Love start looking elsewhere? I am curious about that, if there's a way to retain both guys. I honestly don't know the answer. I don't think it's out of the question, but I also think that the Flames are prepared, and as a Flames fan, you should be prepared that if they go internal, that the guy who doesn't get it, because it, it feel, internally it, it is down to Huska and Love, Will the other guy leave the organization? I think you should be prepared for that potentially being part of the conversation, but not completely out of the question. But I that, could I could see the scenario it. where if it's Mitch Love, you try to keep Ryan Huska by giving him an associate's title. And if it is Ryan Huska promoting Mitch Love to an assistant level in the NHL. But again, both guys are going to be coveted. You're talking about a two-time well, back-to-back AHL coach it, of the right? year. And you're talking about a guy that has interviewed before for other positions. And 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 Ryan Huska finishes a runner-up in Detroit last summer. Yes. So, I, w- I guess what I would say is, best case for the Flames is if they go internal, which it feels like they're going to do, and they keep both guys. One is the head coach, one is an associate assistant. That would be best case for the Flames. But I wouldn't blame either guy if they started to look for other options if it didn't go their way. The same way, I, I don't think it's out of the question that you know Kirk Muller is with another organization next year uh, because it, it doesn't sound like he is one of the, the finalists for this thing. It, it feels like he's no longer in the running. So, um, yeah, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't blame Ryan Huska if he started looking elsewhere if Mitch Love got the job. I wouldn't blame Mitch Love if he started looking elsewhere if Ryan Huska got the job because you want to keep you want to keep that rising star going, right? You want to keep the momentum going and let's be honest, you stall yourself as a head coach for a couple of years potentially if you stick with the Flames. Not to say that other jobs couldn't come up and you could be hired, but you might start looking for a, a slight deviation on the path. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just wouldn't blame them if that's the way they decided to go. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit because you've been more plugged in. I've been in a little bit of a bubble. Are we sitting at two coaching vacancies right now with the San Jose Sharks hiring uh, Greg Cronin? Is uh, it two Anaheim? vacancies? Or Anaheim, Anaheim sorry, yeah. yes. So Not San Jose. Technically three because Babcock is still not official in Columbus, but we'll assume that that's official. Yeah. So, yeah, two right now. Frank told us on Tuesday's show, Frank Saravaglia, Daily Faceoff, that don't be surprised if Ottawa might come up and DJ Smith's job may not be super safe there. But, uh, yeah, right now, technically three, but really two. So maybe the Flames will just play it out till all those vacancies are filled and then you got to shrug your shoulders and go, well, you might as well come back. You already live here, right? I'm not saying that they're going to do that. I imagine a decision will be coming soon. And I'm looking forward to that decision. And and if it's Ryan Huska, I'm super happy for the guy because he has earned this and he has paid his dues and he has been working for it for a long time. He has he rode the buses in the Western League and was successful as a head coach. He rode the buses in the American League and he was successful as a head coach. And he has been damn successful as an assistant coach with the Flames he worked with the D. That's been one of their more proficient areas since Ryan's been one of the assistants on this team. 
in the last number of years, Calgary has had an elite penalty kill, which has been one of his areas and, and, and his, his baby in the special teams. And then I'd be so happy for Mitch Love as well. And, and while it's been a quicker rise and the star has been very, very accelerated for Mitch, deservingly so very good coach as an assistant in the Western league parlayed that into being a successful head coach in the Western league. And what more can you say about the work that he's done in two years in the American league? He's aside from winning a Calder cup. And again, I always go back to, I don't feel like playoff success is the ultimate indicator of what you are as a coach in the American league, knowing how cyclical that league is. He's done about all you can do it's, in the American League as well. So well, either of those guys get it. I am damn happy for both of them because I think they're both really, really deserving. Again, Mitch Love, what else does he have to accomplish outside of a Calder Cup? He's back-to-back, two-time coach of the year at the American Hockey League level. And yes, as you mentioned, that's a tough league to win at. That's a tough league. You mentioned the roster cycling through and cycling through. Your number one job in the AHL as a coach is to develop the prospects for the big team. The second element is to win because winning spurs development as well. Mm-hmm. Well, there's some good players coming up for the Calgary Flames that are young that they're going to need on entry-level deals and to push the veterans and so on and so forth. Mitch Love has played a key role in developing them and getting them ready for the NHL. And in turn, he's done that for himself as well because, again, short of a championship, He's pretty much done everything he can at that level. So the coaching conversation continues to be a hot one in this market. But how about this? So we we played you a little bit of Elliot on the coaching front for the Flames on 32 Thoughts on this Wednesday. That's available wherever you get your podcasts right now. But how about this from Elliot on Wednesday's 32 Thoughts? Talking about goaltending around the league. And we know goaltending's a huge talking point, a hot topic in this market. We've talked a lot over the last number of weeks, whether it be with Croner or with Wes and I or whatever. On the text line, there's been a lot of talk about moving Dan Vladar and Vladar being the guy that gets moved out as a uh, potential way to open the door for Dustin Wolf. Well, how about this from Elliot Friedman when talking about goaltending? I just wonder at the very least if Calgary and Markstrom have a conversation. And Markstrom has complete control. And I know this is going to like burn up the city of Calgary, but I just don't think Craig Conroy is doing his job if he doesn't at least have that conversation. What? Elliot? Now, I don't think that that makes uh, the, the, the burning up the city of Calgary. Now, is that an intentional pun, first and foremost? I don't think so, but it works. Spot on. Spot on, Elliot. There's been a lot of people wondering about, well, could Markstrom be a guy they look at trading? The big thing with Jacob is that with three years left at $6 million and a full no movement clause, you put, I'm not saying it's impossible, but you put yourself more behind the eight ball or you put yourself more on the back foot in getting what you would want in a trade for a potential franchise goaltender. And I know that he's coming off a miserable season. I am fully aware of that. But he was very good in year one. He was a Vesna Trophy finalist, runner-up in year two. I just feel like now would be the wrong time to be... Unless unless you've got a team that is very honed in on him and thinks that he is the solution, well, there is a way that you can sell it to Markstrom to waive the no-move and there's a way that maybe you can get returned. But 
to just trade him for the sake of trading him and make that the main goaltending thrust for you this summer, I worry about that because I think that you end up putting yourself in a spot where you're not getting great value. And if Markstrom bounces back next year, well, then all of a sudden you're potentially kicking yourself for A, not keeping him, or B, not making a move when his value is higher. So I just I think you'd want to be very trepidatious, very cautious with the whole idea of moving Markstrom this summer and doing it coming off the year that he just had. This one is an onion. There's a lot of layers to this one when you peel it back because, as you mentioned, you're going to have to approach Markstrom or Markstrom's going to have to approach you. He's got the no trade. He's got the no move. So he's picking his destination, which is automatically going to limit the return. Two, he's still got three years left at $6 million per. Three, he's 33 years old. So you're banking on a goalie rebounding off of one of the worst seasons, if not the worst of his career at his age. And I say that respectfully because I'm older and I'm not, I'm not fighting anybody on age when I'm older than them. And now you've got all these things striked against you at the same time. He is only 365 days removed from being a Vezina Trophy finalist. And he is a guy that can give you quality goaltending if you're a team that's just missing that key element. And by moving him, you're freeing up a ton of cap space to be the Calgary Flames. But I cannot gauge whatsoever what the return would be on a guy that had the worst season of his career, makes $6 million. And has a full no move. Has a full no move and gets to pick his spot. And he comes at that price because we all know what it took the Calgary Flames to move Sean Monaghan's contract. And now you're talking maybe a similar situation because, again, for all those things that we said, the age, the contract, the picking your landing spot, the Calgary Flames have no leverage in any sort of deal in moving Jacob Marshall. Yeah, it's just it, it seems like a bad time to make that move. Vladar seems like the easier guy to move, a more palatable contract. He's younger, doesn't have the trade protection. and And for me... If you were to, you, you know where I stand. I haven't changed my tune on this. We have the conversation because it's it's a conversation being had Topicals, by Flames yeah. fans, and so I want to have the conversation. And I also know that there is a feel that they would like to really make sure that Dustin Wolf gets an opportunity next year. I just, I'm not, I'm still not rushing to trade an NHL goalie this summer. I'm in the minority in that conversation, I believe. I think that I am. I think I might be in that one too, to be perfectly honest with you, because I'm not just willing to graduate Dustin Wolf for the sake of graduating him. Now, yes, he's done everything he can at the AHL level, but I really like your idea that you came up with a couple months ago of giving him spot starts where you slowly integrate him into your NHL roster by calling him up, giving him a couple games, sending him back, so on and so forth. Because unless you, unless you make a big move, you don't necessarily have a spot for him, and I don't know if I'm thrilled with the idea of a Vladar-Wolf tandem full-time next season. See, if you were going to trade one of your NHL goaltenders, I'd be more, way more comfortable with Markstrom-Wolf as a tandem. Yes. Because Markstrom's played the 55-60 starts before, and he's got the ability to take on that workload. Vladar has not. You, As much as we all love Wolf, and, and I do. I think this is a guy that you want to protect at all costs and, and give him the best chance to turn into a potential franchise goalie as you possibly can, but you still don't know what he's going to be next season at the NHL. I'm sorry, you just don't. And because of that, goaltenders, my 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 boy RP, Pinder would always... Goalies are voodoo because they are, and you don't know what they're going to be. And so I'm not ready to just 
throw him to the wolves with Vladar and be like, there's your tandem. Because A, I don't know. We don't know what that would mean for the team. And B, I worry about messing up Wolf and his development. And that's why stepping it slowly is still the way that I propose them going. But I also realistically know they may not want to do that and they may be okay moving an NHL goaltender. And so if they do that personally, I think Vladar is the better guy to move as opposed to Markstrom because I think that you potentially shoot yourself in the foot on a return and a bounce back for Markstrom and and ruining potential value there or, or not getting full value or not getting the Markstrom bounce back in a Flames jersey if you move him this summer. I just don't think you need to put Dustin Wolf into a situation where you throw him in the deep end and either sinks or swims. And if you move Markstrom, Markstrom's the biggest security blanket, I think, despite, again, bad year, but he does have a track record. I think if he's not in, if Dustin Wolf isn't insulated with a guy like Jacob Markstrom, you're putting him in a position where he either has to sink or swim. And you don't necessarily need to do that from an organizational standpoint just yet. Few texts before we welcome in Connor Zeri to the program. Looking forward to talking to Connor in just minutes. This says totally agree. Markstrom and Wolf stick with those two. Uh, this says uh, return. Who cares? Take a year of Matt Murray if you have to. And again, I'm just not as dialed in on getting rid of him just for the sake of it. This says from Matt and Cochran, you can't throw dust into the wolves. Wolf Ladar tandem. Well done, Matt. Um, this says, let me just say, due to Markstrom's year last year, they may actually that may actually interest more teams because they know there might be a chance of acquiring him for less than if he was playing at his Vesna level. So there you go, a few texts at 960-960, and that is exactly why I'd be a little hesitant in moving him right now. Pat Vickers along with you as we are underway this hour on Flames Talk. A reminder that uh, we've got a special show for you coming up on Saturday at Trail Appliances. We will be there with a special sports that today, Saturday from 11 a.m. till 1 p.m. We're grilling with the Flames alumni at Trail Appliances, 6880 11th Street Southeast. Meet and greet with the alumni. Uh, we've got a pay-by donation barbecue lunch with all the proceeds going to Brown Bagging for Calgary Kids. You'll have a chance to win a brand new barbecue valued at $2,200. It'll be uh, Logo and yours truly broadcasting a trail on Saturday. Come on down. Family owned and operated for 48 years. Trail Appliances has barbecues in stock, including Canadian made Napoleon. For more details, visit sportsnet.ca slash 960. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Anything and everything Calgary Flames, it's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers along with you on this Wednesday edition of the program and very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome in our next guest. 21 goals, 58 points in 72 games last season with the Calgary Wranglers. Not not his first full season, not his first season in the American League, but first full season in the American League after year one kind of got off to a rocky start with injury. We're talking of course about 2020 first round pick Connor Zeri who joins us on Flames Talk right now. Connor, appreciate the time today. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. How's uh, how's the summer so far? Things are good, yeah. Everything's good back home in Saskatoon. So, uh, weather's been great. Uh, just hanging out so far and 
ramping up back and getting in the gym and, and whatnot. So uh, summer's been treating well so far in these first few weeks. What's the uh, what's the typical summer routine? How long does it take for you to get back into training hard? How long do you take off? What's a what's a typical summer program look like for you? I think obviously kind of depends on what type of season you had before, or how deep you go in playoffs, or if you had any major or minor injuries to take care of. But I think for me, it's this year I came out of the season thankfully pretty healthy and and feeling good, so I was able to take what I needed as in rest and, and kind of get it right back into the gym as uh, when I felt ready and felt rested. So uh, thankfully, no, no big injuries or anything like that. So a few couple weeks off and, and I was ready to go. I'm going to say a couple weeks off in between training sessions. You must be either fishing or hitting the lake or doing something out there, right? Yeah, just hanging out. Honestly, no fishing and, and no lake yet. Just uh, just been hanging out. i got a pool in the backyard, so I've been hanging out there, golfing lots, and then just random things here and there to keep busy. Okay, okay. You got the pool in the backyard, so there is some water going on at least. You get to relax yeah, next yeah. to some water. Exactly. What, uh, how do you, now that you've had a little bit of time to reflect on the year and a really great year, doesn't end the way you wanted to, and obviously a, a tough finish in game five against Coachella Valley, but now that you've had some time to reflect and, and look back on it, how do you reflect on the season that was for the Wranglers as a whole? Yeah, I think as a whole, like especially the regular season was was really, really good. I think we had a whole different whole different group and a whole different dynamic and obviously a lot of great guys and a lot of great players and in the regular season we did exactly what any team could ask for do finishing first and putting up a fight every night and winning obviously majority of the games to, to finish in first place by the end of the year and um so yeah definitely team success was was huge and then in the playoffs just falling short to Coachella and that overtime in game five was, was a tough heartbreaking loss but I think just little things to learn upon now that it's kind of done and, and over with. I think you just kind of look back and see what you can learn from that and try not to sulk on it too much, even though it does hurt. Yeah. Well, and, and I wonder what you can take from it because there was so little between you and the Firebirds during the regular season. Unfortunately, you had to meet earlier in the playoffs than you probably should have. But what, what can you take from a series that was that close and you had those overtime games, you had the, the marathon game in there, you had a game five go to overtime? Like, What can you take from that series, especially knowing that it didn't go the way you wanted it to? Yeah, um, I think you you can take a loss just from the matchup you're playing. We were number one in the league. They were really just behind us, number two in the league. And obviously all year when we played them, they had been missing a whole chunk of guys. So we were kind of facing a whole different team, especially in those final three games. But I think, like you learn, you, you really see how tight it is out there, and, and especially when you're playing a really good team, a veteran team like that, of, of how easy the game can turn and momentum can turn in, in tight games like that. And I think that's the the little things like that prepares you for the next level. And, and those are the little things you take away from it. Obviously it's a, a weird situation only playing five games against the team and, and the, the kind of stupid setup it is with the yeah. picking two at home and the three on the road to finish off when you're the higher seed, which, which just kind of sucks. But um, yeah, I think it's just the little details from your game. You can keep taking progress on like the, the speed of the game and, and the little details kind of, you maximize those, and, and those little things are just get even more important game by game. 
want to ask you about the the curious experience of sharing your barn with the NHL team. Obviously, your first in in the American Hockey League in 2020-21 was nine games in Stockton. Then, of course, last season you spent the entire year in Stockton. Now you're in Calgary. What was it like sharing the same building, playing on Saddle Dome Ice, knowing your bosses are in the same in the same facility? Yeah, it, it was awesome. I think being in Calgary, Calgary was great. I think it was uh, didn't see like it wasn't a huge change from being anywhere else. I don't think we were like really around anyone more than we would have been if we were in Stockton. But I think it was good. We had our own little setup at Windsport and then played our games at the Saddle Dome. But it was good to have everyone around, kind of checking in and and seeing if you need anything or, or whatnot. But Obviously, the city's amazing, and 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 for me, being close to home is is awesome, and and it's it's kind of always nice to to play in somewhere that's familiar to you. So I found it great, and and it was awesome first season in Calgary. Does it make you feel any closer when you go out the bench and you pass the Flames dressing room and the Flaming sees at center ice? Does it feel like your childhood dream is that much closer within your grasp? Yeah, I think so a little bit, just kind of being in the city of Calgary. You know, when, when the Flames are playing, the city kind of gets buzzing and and uh, just seeing the fans around and, and, and the traffic getting busier downtown when it's Flames game day. So I think just little things like that kind yeah. of shows, goes to show. We're chatting with Connor Zeri, 2020 first-round pick, Calgary Wranglers forward, joining us here on Flames Talk on this Wednesday. Connor, what, what about you? How How do you feel this season went for you individually? Yeah, individually, I... I thought the season was great. I think uh, I was able to really build on my game from from the last half of uh, last season and, and bring it into a good summer training and into training camp, which I thought went really well. And um, obviously, I would have liked to stay around a little bit more into the preseason and stuff like that. But I think just building off everything I'd done throughout the summer and into preseason and and then into the the Wrangler season, I think it kind of just kept building from there. And I thought I had a, a really good season, not only statistically, but just how I felt and, and how I felt my, about my game and how I improved on my skating and my strength. And then just keep building on that again this summer and coming to next season. Well, it's funny you say, uh, Oh, go, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm good. Yep. Uh, it's funny you say that because you, you talk about wanting to, to maybe stay a little bit longer in camp and yet, you know, among some of the young guys and, and guys that didn't have as much NHL experience, you, you stayed a little bit longer and, and you got a little bit of a longer look in camp. I just, and I remember you joining us at the Saddle Dome and we asked you about it early on in the year, but now that you've had a full season to look back, like did, did staying a little bit longer, getting that longer look, hearing some really good things from the coaching staff, I just wonder how much that bolstered you going into the season with the Wranglers. Yeah, I think 100%. I I think you hear a lot of good things. I think there's pros and cons either way, right? They tell you a lot of good things and, and that you can use that as energy or else they can tell you a lot of bad things that can piss you off and you can use it for energy. But definitely I think they, they – I, I thought I left a good impression at camp last, at the start of last season. Obviously um, didn't end up getting called up or anything like that, but um, I felt I left a good impression and, and with the things I built on and, and was able to do, I – I was able to take that into the into the season at the start of the year, which was which was great for me. The um, the as as you got going, I, I just am I'm curious as to now that you have seventy two games under your belt in the regular season and a a decent playoff run. Did you notice anywhere in your game that took significant strides? Did you notice anywhere where you're like, damn, I I I definitely feel like I got better as the season went along. Yeah, I think just like 
like my little details, obviously I said from the start, I felt my skating was a lot better just heading into the season. And then just as you get going, ramping up and uh, ramping up into gameplay during the season, you feel like your, your, your hockey IQ, your puck management and stuff, it just continually gets better. Your little details, little habits. So felt just as the season, as the season wears on, you just get more comfortable and, and better. And especially with the puck. And I think I kind of started with that right from the start. So I think just even playing at a faster level as the season kept ramping on and uh, ramping up and, and throughout the whole season was, was imperative for, for kind of my play and to be able to be successful. So do you feel like you, you get the long look at training camp, you play a full season in the American League, you, you feel like you take some strides. Do you have a better idea in your mind what it might take to crack the NHL? Do you feel like you, you've got a better feel on what you'll need to do to get there? Yeah, 100%. I think being through a couple camps now and, and a couple American League seasons and playoffs, like um, I understand what you need to do in that game and and how to be successful down there. So I think if I can kind of translate that and, and build some strength and, and, like I said, keep getting faster and and uh, and building on that, I think it's, that is only going to benefit me coming into camp. And, and then it's up to me to kind of put my best foot forward come September, October to show them what I can do. So are those the two areas for you, the, the speed thing and, and the size and strength? Yeah, 100%. I think, uh, like any young guy would say, they, they want to get stronger every summer. So that's kind of a general thing just going about. But I think if I can increase on my speed by a few percent and, and keep that going and, and be consistent with that throughout the season. That all starts in the summer, so that's something I'm definitely working on. Well, and, and new GM Craig Conroy has talked about wanting to be a little bit younger in the lineup next year, and I'm just curious for you, like, do you feel ready to compete for a spot? Do you feel ready to push come camp in September? Yeah, uh, 100%. Like, that's that's what I'm there for, right? I, um they they kind of put their faith in me picking me in the first round to to kind of be that guy who's gonna be able to come in and and try and push and and look for a roster spot i think uh if you asked me that even last summer the summer before obviously i probably wasn't ready and and uh, let myself develop but i've played whatever i've played in the hl 130 games so i think definitely i want to be there and and the whole point of me being there is to push for a uh, push for a spot and, and come in ready for camp to to make some uh, turns some heads. You mentioned no call up this past season. You did see a couple of teammates in Jacob Pelche and Walker Dewar get significant time with the Flames. How much does that light a fire under a guy like you, knowing you're you're close, you're on the cusp, but you're seeing teammates and, and seeing them experience, but not you? Yeah, hundred percent. No, that's that's that was awesome for them to to see them be successful up in the next level. And I think for me, exactly what you said, just lights a fire of, of me to want to be there and me want to get to that next level. So I think that starts right now where I am in, in summer training and getting on the ice this summer and and just ramping up and, and working on my game to to kind of push it to the next level so that people notice that. Do you talk to them about it at all? What do they say about the experience, and maybe do they give advice to 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 a guy that you know is looking to make the same jump that they did? No, I I don't talk too much about about that really. I think it's just talked to Jacob quite a bit. I, I lived with him, so just kind of how his experience was and and how the game is up there. It's not too much about what he really did in the AHL to get there, and kind of you do what it takes. And it, it, it's what you're going to do day in, day out in the American League that's going to put you up there in the NHL. So 
um, I think I, I kind of understand that by now. So I think, like I said before, it's going to be up to me to what I do in, in this summer and next season. A couple more with Connor Zeri of the Calgary Wranglers, 2020 first-round pick of the Flames. Uh, just I, I wanted to get your thoughts on Mitch Love as a head coach, two seasons under Coach Love, two years as the American League Coach of the Year. Tell us about playing for Mitch. Yeah, he, he did awesome, I think, uh, pushing us day in, day out to, to kind of be the best team in the league. And uh, we um, came in every day ready to work and and always had a plan of attack of what we need to work on, whether it was about us or about who we are playing. So it was always great uh, coming, working with him, and, and I think the guys kind of fed off that. And it pushed us to, to kind of be the team we were in the regular season. What makes him a really good motivator or, or communicator? Like what allows Mitch to, to connect with players and, and get the most out of his guys? Yeah, I think it's just like for us, it just good isn't good enough really. So I think that's kind of how we looked at it and we're maybe win six, seven games in a row, but that's, that's not good enough. There's always going to be little things to work in, work on and, and things that are going to prove is help us improve, especially come, uh, come playoffs so I think that that would be my my way of putting it is that when we're good it's not quite good enough so there's always something to work on something to get better and and that's what pushed us any uh any interesting plans outside of getting ready and uh hanging by the pool and and training and all that type of stuff anything anything special planned for the summer uh not not a whole lot I'd probably just hang around the hang around Saskatoon maybe maybe head up to the lake but um other than that, no, not too much. Just spend time with family and friends and stay in the gym and, and do what I normally do. And it's kind of what I enjoy doing, just, just sticking around home. So it's always good. Well, we'll let you get back to it. Appreciate the time this afternoon. Thanks for doing it. Congratulations on a really good sophomore year in the American League. And uh, good luck next season. Have a great rest of your summer, Connor. Really appreciate the time, hey? Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good one. You as well. That's Connor Zeri of the Calgary Wranglers, Calgary Flames prospect, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, 15-time Consumer Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. That's going to be a guy that, you know, I think a lot of people look to coming into this training camp with what Craig Conroy said in his introductory news conference about we want to get more youth in the lineup. Well, there's a guy that, because I think it's fair to say, you asked him about Jacob Pelche, you asked him about Walker Dewar. I think it's pretty safe to put them in the opening night lineup, right? So Pelche and Dewar in to start the year. Dewar re-signed this summer. Pelche still on his entry level and really impressed last year. So then what other young player or two can crack the roster? Wolf, maybe. On defense, I don't know if there's anybody. I don't think Jeremy Poirier is ready yet. I think he needs more seasoning in the Agreed. minors. Agreed. So, and they're really deep on the blue line as well. So what about Zeri? Like, could Zeri be in a competition with Adam Rizicka or something like that to be a fourth center on this team next year? Hell, if they trade a Lindholm, maybe there's another spot that's open. But is Zeri a guy that can come yes. into camp and actually push? I'm really, like, the expectation is going to be the answer to that question is yes, and I'm really excited and interested to see if he can come in and do just that because he had a really good camp last year. His job is to come in and do that exact same thing again. Have a good camp, stick around, maybe make some veterans uneasy. And as you mentioned, Craig Conroy has said they need to inject more youth in the lineup. If we're automatically assuming, which I think is a fair assumption, that Pelche and Dewar are on the roster already, 
to me, the next guy in line, if we're not counting Wolf, is Connor Zari. So he's got to come in and push for a spot. It's not going to be a situation where, you know, just because Craig Connery says they want to go younger, they're not, not just going to slot young guys in for the sake of slotting young guys in. They have to earn the spot. But the opportunity is now there for him. He's, to me, the prime candidate. Also depends on how you feel about Matthew Phillips, who is a pending unrestricted free agent, whether or not he comes back, whether or not he counts for the conversation given his age, because he is older than the aforementioned player. Well, not Walker Dewar, but he's older than the aforementioned players like Connor Zari, uh, Matt, uh, Dustin Wolf, Cole Schwint, even so on and so forth. But this, to me, should be something that Connor Zari listens to and plays back regularly. I don't know if it's once a week. But Craig Conroy's words should be motivation for him because there is now an opportunity for the young kids to play with the Calgary Flames, not just stuck on the Calgary Wranglers. Thanks to uh, the Flames. Thanks to Jordan over at the Flames and Wranglers for setting that up. Jay Bay hooking us up with Connor Zary today. Thanks hey, to Connor for joining us on a uh, it's the middle of summer and the guy joined us for uh, 15 minutes. A pre- Honestly, appreciate the time. I wouldn't want to talk to us for 15 minutes if I had a choice. Um, want to wrap up the hour by saying congratulations to Michael Backlund. Look. If there's any time we can talk positively about Backlund on Flamestock, you know Steinberg's going to do it. Uh, of course, I'm the president of the Michael Backlund fan club, and I've got the co-president or vice president or vice president of fan club Assistant to the general manager. Assistant to the regional manager. Uh, we've got Aaron Vickers, big Backlund guy as well. He's going to Nashville. He's in Sweden right now. He'll be coming back to North America for a couple of days in Nashville because he's a finalist for the King Clancy Memorial Trophy, which goes to a player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice and has made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution in his community. I think Michael Backlund sure as hell fits that bill. Uh, He will go to the awards and be up for the award as a finalist along with Anders Lee of the New York Islanders and Darnell Nurse of the Edmonton Oilers. So a really cool honor for Michael. He joined us last week on Flames Talk, and we were talking about the Clancy before we knew. I had an inkling he might be a finalist just based on some of the things that have been talked about around the league. It was like, yeah, I think people are really taken or, or catching on to just how important Michael has been in, in, in the Calgary community. Um, so I, it didn't surprise me he was a finalist when it was all said and done. Um, but we asked him about being the team nominee and why community work has always been so close to his heart. This from our exclusive chat with Michael last week. That means a lot. I mean, it's an honor when we teammates uh both for you uh it's, it's very special and uh i came here and i i could right away tell how important community work was for the calgary Flames organization and uh, i could just see it, the bigger names the leaders on the team were having doing their part or having their own organizations or doing extra work whatever that can be and it just set the tone right away for me uh you know to be like okay this is what we do here and i want to be part of it and uh yeah and even before when i was younger i started with sponsoring a child back home in Sweden. And, uh, um, yeah, it's just something I kind of always had a drive for to help people. And uh, I know I've been able to live my dream and privileged life now for a lot of years and always wanted just to give back in any way I can. The entire interview, we go into all the things that he is touched charity-wise in Calgary from uh, the, the work that he and Frida have done, like tireless work that he and Frida have done with the ALS Society of Alberta. And, you know, Michael's talked at length about how 
how how difficult that can be just being uh, around some some really difficult situations and uh Frida uh has a, a real personal connection to ALS and so it's it's very close to their heart that has been huge for them over the last half decade or so uh parachutes for pets special olympics calgary those are the three that he's been super heavily involved with of late even going back he was donating to kids cancer care like he just it, the guy has made a difference in the community. He's made Calgary a better place since getting here. And you talk to guys inside that locker room, he's the leader in a lot of ways. If he were to win it, and not to say that Anders Lee and Darnell Nurse aren't deserving because you go take a look at some of the things they've done, and, and absolutely they are as well. But all I know is that Michael being a finalist for the King Clancy is really, really well-deserving. Well, we might be biased, and again, those other guys do a lot of good work too, but you run, you ran through the resume. ALS Society of Alberta, they've helped raise more than $400,000. They've invited nearly 100 families affected by ALS to Calgary Flames Games, ambassador for Kids Cancer Care, Special Olympics Calgary, partnered with Parachute for Kids to create Lily's Legacy, named after their dog who passed away. That program allows children in foster care to keep their pets while they're transitioning into care. We heard in the clip he sponsors a child back in Sweden. The most important thing is he understands his privilege and he uses his position to help others, and that's exactly what the Clancy's all about. And uh, and a great guy. Sign him to an extension, name him the captain. Boom, there you go. It seems like a feel good story. But you've got a coach that you're going to name soon. We've talked about that uh, at length on this hour of Flames Talk. Feels like we are close. Whether it's Thursday, whether it's Friday, whether it's Monday, feels like we're very much in that kind of ninety six ish hour pocket of a coach being announced. Um, Huska. Love, Green, Reardon, the four names that we believe are part of this might be another name in there as well that I haven't been able to suss out. But I, I we told you yesterday, definitely Green, definitely Love, definitely Huska. Now Reardon is Elliot put in there as well. So that we, we are, we're moving in. At some point, we feel like there's going to be a Jerome Ginla announcement. Throw in there like maybe, maybe sometime in July. You do a Michael Backlund's re-sign, and we've named him captain. Just keep the good news coming. Uh, I don't. I don't know what the downside would be. I don't want to throw cold water on Reardon, but he did play 17 games for the Edmonton Oilers in 98-99. So I'm not sure his status and eligibility, just from a fan base in general. Just going to toss that out there. I mean, Marty Jelena won a Stanley Cup with the Oilers, and he's revered. Him, so. uh, yeah, I guess you're right. You got me on that one. I don't think anybody, and nobody in this city thinks of Marty Jelena the Oiler. They only think the eliminator. Of the, they think of the eliminator or just the all-around great human being that Marty Jelena has turned into in this uh, in this community. By the way, happy belated to uh, Marty Jelena. Uh, had his birthday a couple of days ago as well. So, congrats to Michael Backlund, King Clancy Memorial Trophy finalist. He'll be in Nashville. Will be in Nashville. Flames Talk will be there for the week of the NHL awards and NHL draft. It starts on the twenty sixth. So the 26th is the awards, 28th, 29th is the draft, Friday travel back, and then the Saturday, the 1st of July, is free agency. That is going to be a grind, but an awesome week. I was going to call it fun, then you went with grind first, and then I got scared. Like, what? uh, 
It'll be a grind, but it's a fun grind. You enjoy that grind. There's worse things to do, I'll uh, tell you that. Thank you very much to our producers, Cam Hughes and Azam Nanji, this hour on Flames Talk. Thanks to Connor Zeri of the Wranglers and the Flames for joining us. Thanks to Aaron Vickers. He's on Twitter at AA Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up this hour, and this hour has been the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.